So if you have your Bibles, turn to Daniel uh, chapter 9 or look it up on your phone. We've been going through the book of Daniel, um, and we la- a couple weeks ago we were at Daniel 6, and we're going to jump over a couple chapters and come back next week, I think, to chapter 7. But we're going to look at Daniel chapter 9 this morning. Dan- the book of Daniel is the first six chapter, uh, chapters of Daniel are just the narratives, the stories of, that we're familiar with, and the last parts of Daniel are prophecy. Um, so it's a very interesting book, and in the middle of this prophecy section is Daniel 9 and one of the great prayers of the Bible. And so we're just going to focus on Daniel 9. Um, I'm going to read 1 through 19 this morning, Daniel chapter 9, verses 1 through 19. It says, in the first year of Darius, the son of Azarus, by descent a Mede, who was made king over the realms of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, we have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers. And to all the people of the land, to you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us open shame. As at this day, to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all Israel, those who are near and those who are far away, in all the lands to which you have driven them, because of the treachery that they have committed against you, to us, O Lord, belong open shame, to our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belongs mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. And the curse and oath that are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out upon us because we have sinned against him. He has confirmed his words which he spoke against us and against our rulers who ruled us by bringing upon us a great calamity. For under the whole heavens there has not been done anything like what has been done against Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come upon us, yet we have not entreated the favor of the Lord our God, turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. Therefore, the Lord has kept ready the calamity and has brought it upon us. The Lord our God is righteous in all the works that he has done, and we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and have made a name for yourself, as at this day we have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city Jerusalem, your holy hill, because of our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers. Jerusalem and your people have become a byword among all who are around us. Now therefore, O our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy and for your own sake, Lord, make your face shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. O my God, incline your ear and hear. 
Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake, O my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. And then to verse 22, it says, He made me understand speaking with me and saying, O Daniel, I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out, and I have come to tell it to you, for you are greatly loved. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. Let's pray. Holy Father, Lord, thanks for your word. Lord, thanks for what you showed Daniel and how you encouraged him and this prayer and his life and what he pointed to. And so, Lord, I pray you'd help us to see that this morning. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just remove every distraction from our hearts, that you would just open our hearts to your word. You would encourage us with it. You would challenge us with it, and you would move us because of it, closer to you. Lord, thanks for what took place this past week here, and I pray you would just use all that was done and given away and that it would just encourage people that through even just giving of clothes that somehow you would open people up to the truth of who you are and they would see Jesus and come to know you. Lord, I pray that you would just help us this morning and I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be acceptable to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Uh, the resilience of people always amazes me. I'm always amazed at the resilience of people. I mean, from the, from the wide-angle view of things, I mean, people survive. A number of years ago when we were going down to Chicago during the winters to Lower Wacker Drive to see people, um, I, I was amazed at we would see the same people over and over again, and I would not see them for months and I would go back and I'd find the exact same person in the exact same place, and through brutal winters, they survived. It just amazes me that there is this resilience in people, which is why the world looks at the world and says, it's always going to be this way, nothing's going to change, which is why in 2 Peter 3, 4, it says, they will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. And people just look at the world and say, see, people survive. They're resilient. They get through things. They move on. This is just the way it's going to be. And they miss the fact that that's not the reality. This is not the way it's always going to be. But from a wide angle, if you look at the world, it looks very resilient. And people do survive. But then when you get close up with people, and you look at your own life or your own situation, people you know, you, you see the cracks and all that, don't you? You see the, the suffering, you see the sin, and you see the questions that people have about this world they're trying to figure out, and that we're all trying to figure out as we live in it. And, and, and from a wide angle, it does look like just people are resilient. They, they, they survive. They figure things out. 
Then when you get to know people individually and one-on-one, your own heart, there's a lot of cracks in that. There's a lot of suffering. There's a lot of sin. And there's a lot of questions. If you look back to the last 20 months, back in February of 2020, we, we, we would all heard this thing and we would have said, this, this is kind of different. I mean, I'm, I'm seeing newspapers of places completely closed down, it, whole cities not moving. This is kind of different. And then we went in a little farther and few months into that, we were all saying, hmm, you know, th- everything's supposed to be different. I mean, this is not the way it's supposed to be. This is not the way life is supposed to continue on. And we, we, we had this, that thought for a while. A- and then we went a little bit further on in the last 20 months, and we thought, said to ourselves, I thought this would be different. I, I thought we would be past this by now. I thought things had moved on in our situations. A- and now... There is, I feel, a this settled sense with many people that just things are different. This, this, is, this is different. This is the way different may be for us that live in this age. We'll never know a 20-month before this. Things are different. I mean, if I were to ask you, if you were to rate your spiritual condition in the last 20 months, if you were to examine it in the experience of all those things, that sure, people survived and are very resilient through it. But if you were to take a look back the last 20-some months of your life and look at your, and examine your spiritual condition, where would you rate it? How, how would you rate it? How would you find a gauge to rate it? And how would you find hope when you measure it and you find out, you know what, really, it's kind of low. I've survived. I've been resilient, but truthfully, my spiritual life, my spiritual growth in Christ is, is, it might be at a low. And if that's you, disappointment with God is not uncommon. Disappointment with God is does, it's not uncommon for people to be disappointed with God. Even Christians, even Christians who are resilient, who, who show up, who are active, who are involved, but carry with them the sense of this disappointment with God. That's not uncommon if you feel that. But disappointment with God does this to you. It, it drains your desire. It drains your discipline. It drains your direction. And as a, as, as a heart, as a believer, it, it just it drains you in those things. And you become stuck as the Pilgrim's Progress story would talk about, there was this the slew of despond for people who were just struggling. Or they would get into, as Christians, they would, they'd find the giant of despair and they'd get locked in Doubting Castle. And there was just these disappointments with God that got them stuck, got them discouraged. And, and we're struggling. And the question you have to ask yourself is, how do you direct your heart then? How do you direct your heart when you just feel drained? And how do you not lose hope when you don't see clearly in the direction that you are going? That's the question of many Christians. And that was the question of the exiled people of God in the book of Daniel. They had been taken from Jerusalem Three different waves of time. Babylon came in, destroyed them. They've been taken from Jerusalem in different waves of time. And for years now, they've carried with them this 
survival. They've been resilient in Babylon. They've planted gardens. They build houses. They've lived there. But in the midst of it, deep down, the, the wondering was, is what God said true? Is God really going to carry us through? Will, will this, is this it? This is different. And will it ever not be different again? And will we be able to go back? And there was these disappointments with God, which maybe you feel this morning. And the question was the same for the exiles. And the question is the same for very busy people who live on the Route 34 corridor, who are busy, who are burdened, and who are blessed, and sometimes not sure how to handle all three of those things. How do you be absolutely busy, but then see the, just the blessing of God, but then just carry unbelievably hard burdens? Where's God in all of that? Where, where's God in all this as followers of Christ in, in this, with these disappointments? Daniel chapter 9 is a chapter to give us buoyancy in our faith. It, it's, it gives us principles to build our faith on. It gives us principles of blessings for our faith. And this morning, I just want us to look and focus on the prayer of Daniel, how, how he lived in the realities of an exile with rejection, with ridicule, with trauma. But, as he, but he did it as he walking humbly with his God. Listen, obedience to God in the pressures, problems, and stresses of daily living and trusting in God's ways in the large sweeps of the history of your life are always at risk. If you take sweeps of your life and you look at them, we all have them, and you, and you think, where did this come from? Am I going to make it through these sweeps? Obedience to God in those pressures is always at risk. It was at risk with the people of God and Exile, it's at risk with people of God in 2021, in your situation, even if you're being really resilient right now, even if you are surviving. And no one knew this better than Daniel. He, he, he understood it. I mean, here's a guy who is now in his late 80s, who spent 65 years of his life or more in exile. As a teenager, he was snatched from his family, made to walk to Babylon, decided as a teenager he was going to resolve to follow God in the midst of it. And that resolve allowed God to gift him with this vision and dreams that he had this great ability. But that ability that God gave him, the blessing that God gave him, cost him. He, he would obey God, and the cost was he was cast into to a lion's den. People lied about him. The people he worked with didn't care for him. But all through it, he continued on in his faith. And now in his late 80s, still in exile, he's looking at his situation, just like some of you might be, and you're saying, what's God doing? Where is God, what's the guide for this? What's the pattern of life that Daniel would commend to us to faithfully and joyfully persevere in your progress of faith? If you're a parent with young little kids, if you're a parent like myself on the verge of being an empty nester, if you're an empty nester, 
if you're a great-grandparent, in all these stages of life. What, what pattern of life would Daniel say? This, this is what I want you to, to follow. I think Daniel would say to us, first in this passage, he would say, put, your, put yourself in the place of God's grace. Put yourself in the place of God's grace. If you look at the right start of verse 27 in Daniel chapter 8, it says, and I, Daniel, he had these two visions in chapter 7 and chapter 8, which we will come to, but it says, I, Daniel, was overcome and lay sick for some days. Then I rose and went about the king's business, but I was appalled by the vision and did not Understand that he had been given a vision by God that so stirred him that he made him sick, physically sick. He couldn't even get up and go to, to work. And he finally dragged himself up resiliently and went to work for this king who was the one who put him in Babylon exile in the first place. And he was, but he was still struggling with this vision. And in that time, it says, in the first year of Darius, the son of Azarus, the, the scent of Mede, th- things had changed. Daniel was brought in by... Babylon. And when it, what had happened is over years, Nebuchadnezzar died. Other people came in. And we still looked at Belshazzar, lost it, and Babylon caved in. It was destroyed. It was wiped out. What had happened to Jerusalem had now happened to Babylon, which is why this is significant, verse 1. By descent, a Mede who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans in the first year of his reign. Daniel had been living in exile, seeing all these changes in his world, all these changes in governments, all these changes in situations, and he's, he's, he's reading his Bible. In the first year of the reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that according to the word of the Lord of Jeremiah the prophet made to pass the desolations. Here's Daniel, all these struggles, all these changes, and he's reading his Bible. He's reading the book of Jeremiah. Picture this 80-year-old man seeing all these things in life and doing what you could do. You, you can flip over to Jeremiah chapter 25, verse 10, or Jeremiah 29, and this would have been what Jeremiah was reading, that the prophet of Jeremiah, Jeremiah Daniel, took his Bible out or the, and started reading it. And as he was reading it, he read in Jeremiah 25, 10, moreover, I will banish from the voice of mirth, excuse me, he, in uh, Jer- Jeremiah 29, excuse me, Jeremiah 29, 11, he reads this famous well-known passage, probably, and says, for thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. And Daniel's reading his Bible. He's in all these changes. He's reading his Bible. He put himself in the place of God's grace. And as he reads it, he realizes, wait, we've been here for almost 70 years now. And God said that in 70 years, things are going to change. So he starts reading his Bible and realizing that this is what's going to happen and times have changed. Babylon's now destroyed. It's been 69 years. Jeremiah had prophesied it. Daniel sees this in his Bible reading. This is how he knows that God's still with him. It's through his Bible reading. If you go through life and everything starts changing and turning around and you've been reading your Bible years ago or inconsistent in your faith and you just kind of drop that, you're going to fade. 
Daniel never dropped it. He, in the midst of all those changes, he kept reading. He stuck with the basics. He read Scripture. And through Scripture, it says, the, Lord, the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet spoke to him. God's word was alive and powerful, and it spoke to him. Put yourself continually in the place of God's grace. John Stott said one of the great purposes of daily Bible reading, meditation, and prayer is just this, to get ourselves correctly oriented to remember who and what we are. With everything in our world spinning around, if we don't stay connected to the basics of the means of grace that God has given us, which is his word, his prayer, and the fellowship of the saints together, those are what keeps us oriented to remember who we are. The word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. It's God's word that helps you see his purposes for your life. This is what Daniel did. As an 80, he's reading the Bible, and through reading the Bible, God's speaking to him and showing them his things. He, he keeps himself in the place of God's grace, even with all the opposition. Just keep putting yourself in the place of God's grace, in front of his word, in prayer, and with the people of God. And when you do that, opposition will come. This is what happened to him. This, is, this was his pattern for life, and opposition will come. He was thrown into a lion's den because of it. But it carried him all the way through, and everybody else was, was gone. There, there'll, be, there'll be physical if you keep putting yourself in the place of God's grace, do not let anyone tell you, which you'll see all over on social media and, and religious media, to follow God and it's just going to go really well for you. It'll just turn out well for you. That's not true. Daniel followed God all the way through and it didn't always go extremely well for him. There'll be physical struggles. There'll be a mental struggle. There'll be emotional uh, struggles. But, but the truth is, this is how we know we can be very busy as individuals and very busy as a church. And remember what Jesus said to Mary and Martha. Mary, Jesus comes into the city, and, and Jesus says this in, ver, in Luke chapter 10. And she, now as they went on, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she, said a sister, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell, them to, tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. The one thing that mattered the most, Jesus says, was worshiping Jesus, focusing on Jesus, being committed to the one thing. In times of change as a church, this church has great servants, unbelievable serving. It was demonstrated this past week. It's, it's excellent. But when you, but we just be, we need to be very careful that our serving isn't 
done in a way to try to get God back on our side. You're disappointed, you're struggling, so I'm just going to do more for God. If I do more for God, then he'll do more for me. That was, that was Martha's, that was Mar- uh, Martha's view. I, I want to serve God. I want to do more. I want to I make sure he knows how, th- how great he is. But, but Mary just wanted to be with him. We need to do both. We need to be serving out of the fact that we've been with Jesus. Not because we think if we do more, Jesus will be more good to us. But because of what, who Jesus is, that's why we do more. So put yourself in the place of God's grace and then pursue your part in the purpose of God's grace. When, when, when Daniel read this, when he read Jeremiah and said, hey, it's going to come back to 70 years, it's all going to turn around great, Daniel's response was not good. I'm just going to sit here and wait for God to bring me back. That wasn't his response. Daniel's response was instantly, then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy. I mean, he, he, he knew what God was going to do, and he, then he, but then he didn't just say, okay, Kesarasra, whatever it will be, will be. He, he turned his face to the Lord, seeking him in mercy. He, he, he turned his face and he took very seriously the offense of his people. Why, why did he do that? Because Daniel knew his Bible. And he knew what it said in Leviticus that the people of God are going to be turned away, but when they confess, when they repent, that's when I'm going to come back. And Daniel did that. He took seriously. Listen, what distinguishes you as a Christian? What distinguishes you from the world? When the former Theologian, he said it well. He says, what distinguishes us from the world is not that we are less wicked, but that by the grace of God we have learned to see our wickedness for what it is and that we confess our sins. The church is the only body on earth that confesses sin. Where the confession of sin dies, when the confession of sin dies out, the church is no longer the church. What Daniel did when he read the word of God, and he put himself in the place to hear from God. He then pursued his part in the purpose of God, and the first thing he did is he just went into this unbelievable prayer, and the vast majority of it is confession and repentance. You know, what makes a church a church is the people trusting in Jesus Christ alone, being willing to say, hey, this is who I am. This is who I really am. You want to connect with people in church? You want to connect with others? Then it, it's this, this is who I am. This is who I am. And I can say this to you, not because I'm afraid of what you're going to think of me, because I am in Christ, I'm free to confess. And as our church, we, we need to grow in that, in that area. This is, he, he, per, put it, he pursued his party. He took seriously the offense of God. He, he took seriously the offense of God for his people, and he turned his heart to the people of God, and he started praying for his people. And these weren't people who were all following God. Even in his prayer, he says, God, forgive us. Give us your mercy, even as we still sin. Twice he said it. He's pleading for God to mercy, even as we sin. I mean, people, and you know this, people are complicated, and people are messy. You're complicated. I'm complicated. We're all messy. And David's prayer was this unbelievable, Daniel's prayer was this plea for mercy. 
And as he pursued his part, he just then prayed with a bold persistence to the great and awesome God. I mean, look how he, look how he addressed God. O oh Lord, the great and awesome God. He, he prayed with his bold persistence to this great and awesome God. Do you recognize who it is when you are praying? When, you, when we address God? Or has it just been so casual, so comfortable? That it, it, we're supposed to pray casually and comfortably, aren't we? We come to God boldly. We've got to remember who it is we're coming to. He is this great and awesome God who, as we can see, we can rejoice in who he is. This, David described him as merciful. Or Daniel described him as merciful, loving, faithful. I mean, this is who God is. And so because of who he is, we can come boldly to him. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he says to them, he told, right after he gave them the Lord's Prayer, he said, hey, listen, which of you has a friend who's when he when he's, comes to your house at midnight and you're already asleep and he knocks on the door and you need some help and he says, I want, I want some help and his friend doesn't want to get up. He doesn't help him. But he keeps knocking and he keeps knocking. Because he keeps knocking, that's when his friend gets up and goes and answers the door. If you do that as a human being with this persistent friend, when you don't just come right away, but you're persistent knocking, if you come, what do you think God's going to do if you come to him in this persistence of prayer and, and just come after him? And then he says, hey, what kind of father would you be if, if your son asks for some fish? Is he going to give him a scorpion? And then he closes it with, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your Father, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? But you say, Paul, I'm really disappointed with God. I've asked God this stuff. I've, I've come to Him persistently, and He hasn't done it yet. God's answer to that would be, this is who I am. I am a merciful, gracious, loving, forgiving God. So just keep coming. Just keep coming. Put yourself in the place. Pray with bold persistence to the great and awesome God. You don't know what God is doing in all these scenes. Because we need to then plan to be surprised by God. Daniel didn't know what God was doing. Daniel just wanted to see. He read the Bible. He saw that the 70 years was up. He wanted to, to get out so he prayed for God to deliver his people. God had no idea. Daniel had no idea what was going on. And what was going on was God was working greatly behind the scenes. And he says Daniel's idea was just to be delivered. And he sends an angel. And the angel says, Daniel, God's idea for you is to have another vision of what's going to happen in the future way beyond what you can't even see. So when you pray this way, plan to be surprised by the mysteries of God. We don't just come to God with our idea because God's design and God's plan is always bigger. William Cowper wrote this unbelievably powerful poem called God Moves in a Mysterious Way. 
And it, he, God moves in a mysterious way his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and he rides upon the storm. And it sounds like this great little smart guy just sitting down thinking all these great thoughts about God, William Cowper, just writing up down the 1700s. But William Cowper was an unbelievably troubled Christian who constantly struggled to believe that God really loved him, tried to commit suicide twice. But God gave him a friend in John Newton who wrote Amazing Grace. And through this consistent putting himself in the place of grace, pursuing the people of God, and just being surprised by the mysteries of God, God uses this guy. If he knew he was being quoted today, 200 and some years later, he'd be shocked by it. Because as far as William Cowper was concerned, his life was nothing. Nobody cared about him, but he could write. And many Christians for years have been comforted by this song, God Moves in a Mysterious Way. Plan to be surprised by the mysteries of God and let the promises of God put a permanent hold on you. The, the angel comes to Daniel and says, Oh, Daniel, I've now come out to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out. You've been praying for a long time about something that's just devastating to you. And you're very disappointed. You're thinking, where's God in this? Prayer doesn't matter. As soon as Daniel prayed, the word went out. But there was a time that took place before Daniel knew that. When you pray, even in your disappointment, God hears it as your heavenly Father. It says, at the beginning of your pleas for, a mercy, for mercy, a word went out. And I have come to tell it to you, for you are greatly loved. Let the promises of God put a permanent hold on you. You are greatly loved. If you're in Christ, you are greatly loved. I got involved in a situation this weekend. I got a text from someone about a situation that they wanted to know if I could help out with. So I looked at it. I made the call. And as I heard the situation, it's unbelievably tragic, terrible, and beyond description. I got off the phone, and I thought to myself, I don't know if I want to be involved in that. And that is so tragic that I don't know if I want to put myself in any realm of that. And then I went back to study my sermon. And it says, at the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out, for you are greatly loved. And then I thought to myself, who, who do you think you are? Jesus Christ left heaven for us. People who are his enemies. Romans 5.8 says, but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
When you and I were at our worst, when we were at our absolute ugliest, when we had no desire for God, when we had absolutely no heart for Him in any way, shape, or form, Jesus loved us. Jesus loved you, and He died for you, and He came for you, and He gave His life, and He says, you are loved. And so maybe this morning things aren't clear. Maybe it is a little bit of a struggle spiritually. Maybe it is a drain. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's just wonderful. All of them, either way, the way we move forward is holding on to the promises of God, that God loved you so much that he left heaven in your wickedness and he came for us, went to the cross, and died so that we could have hope. So how do you direct your heart when you're feeling drained, you look to the promised one. Daniel, at the end of Daniel chapter 9, some of the hardest verses in the Bible to, to, to understand was shown the promise of an anointed one, that a greater redeemer was coming, that Jesus was going to come. Daniel was seeing that. So the way we direct our hearts when we're feeling drained is to look to Jesus. I mean, look to Jesus. Not just in your head. Just think about him. What he did for you. What he wants to do for you. How far he's brought you. Who he really is. Look to the person of Jesus and then call this to mind and have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. The Lord is our portion, says our soul. Therefore, we will hope in him. Let's pray.